Hello my lovelies and welcome back to another episode of Primed for Crime. I'm your host Liv and I'm very excited to have you here and I do hope that you enjoy today's case. Um, Especially because I have just recorded this um, for a first time and um, got really excited about it, went to turn my microphone off and realised that I didn't even have it turned on. So yeah, I sat here, recorded this whole episode and forgot that my microphone wasn't on. So that's how my day is going. How's yours? Um, And I know what you're thinking. This is the second episode this week. And yeah, I've had this um, episode written for a while now. And well, I've just got some time. So I thought I'd sit down and record this for you. Didn't think I'd be doing it twice though. But there we go. So today I'm going to be talking about the unsolved murder of Simonetta Ferrero, who was a 26-year-old woman living in Milan who was tragically stabbed 33 times whilst at her Catholic university. But the big question is, who would do such a thing? Now before we get into the case though, I just want to state that everything I talk about is information that I found online and I mean no disrespect to anybody involved or mentioned. And there isn't really, like, a huge, like, trigger warning. Like, I will talk about the crime scene a little bit, but nothing really as much as that. Um, But obviously, at any point, if you do um, listen to anything that you're not comfortable listening to, then please feel free to click out of this podcast. So, let's begin for a second time. This is the murder of Simonetta Ferrero. In 1971, Simonetta Ferrero was a 26-year-old young woman living in Milan. And even though she was seen as more an introvert and maybe somewhat detached, Her heart was still full of love and she did in fact have lots of friends in her life and she was a smart woman as well. She actually had graduated in political science from the Catholic University of the Sacred Heart in Milan in 1969 and she came from a very affluent, very religious and traditional family. So she didn't she didn't have a boyfriend and she was in no hurry to find one. She just kind of wanted to build a career before thinking about her romantic future, which is great, absolutely fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with this at all. So after graduation, Simonetta had found a job in a personal department of a very large company. And she actually really loved her job. She loved it. And in her spare time, she also became a volunteer for the Red Cross. So she was a very genuine person and she didn't really have any problems with anybody. Like nobody had, she wasn't an enemy to anybody and she had no secrets. Well, I mean, like, I'm sure, you know, everybody has secrets, but she had no serious secrets. I mean, as far as we are aware anyway. On July 24th, 1971, Simonetta was preparing for the beginning of her summer holiday and she was so looking forward to visiting Corsica, I think that's in France, with her parents and this is a holiday that they did every year and she absolutely loved it 
I mean, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love family holidays, honestly. My family used to visit Cornwall every year since I can remember, probably until I moved out of the family home. So, mum, if you are listening to this, please, please let me come back on holiday with you. I actually really miss it. So anyway, after packing her suitcase, she left her house about 11am just to run some errands. You know, she had to stop off at her favourite perfume shop and buy a French dictionary, stuff like that. So as she was out doing all this, her family was waiting for her to come back and, you know, they waited and waited, but she never returned, which was very unlike her, especially seeing as how excited she was for this holiday. She had no reason to um she had no reason not to come home so her parents were obviously worried and instantly reported her missing and nobody knew anything more until two days later on july 26th at about 8 30 in the morning there was a seminarian who had just come out of mass at the catholic university of milan and he was walking through to the department of religious studies to check an exam date that was coming up And as he passed the door to the woman's toilet, he heard a strange noise and said that there was a strange smell, which obviously alarmed him. And I think that would probably alarm anybody. So he went to investigate and he opened the door and just moments later, he came running out in a total panic, calling out for help. And what he found in that bathroom was an absolutely terrifying discovery. On the bathroom floor, he saw the dead body of a young woman, and it was in fact Simonetta, and she was lying on her side in front of the toilet doors, with her head resting on one arm as if she was asleep, but she definitely wasn't just asleep, because there was blood everywhere in that bathroom. It was on the floors, on the walls, the doors, and even on the sink and it was found that she had been killed with 33 stab wounds and they'd been like delivered like with a six inch blade so that's that's pretty long so 27 of those stab wounds had hit her chest and her stomach but the others had actually hit her in like vital places and one had actually severed her uh, carotid artery and under her fingernails she had traces of blood But the blood that was found was not her blood type, which meant that it would have been somebody else's blood. She was also found with many defensive wounds, which she would have gotten by trying to protect herself, you know, like holding her arms up or grabbing the blade with her own hands. Um, So she obviously was fighting for her life. And next to her on the floor, there was her purse with all of her belongings still inside, the perfume that she'd just bought and the French dictionary along with money and different sorts of papers. So the police officers instantly recognised the name from the missing persons report and immediately notified the family. And also just a little bit of a side note, This whole scene, like with her belongings still there, would suggest that the murderer um, hadn't tried to rob her. Like, this wasn't a robbery gone wrong if all of her belongings were still there. Like, it didn't seem like the killer had actually taken anything from this. On the day that she actually disappeared, um, Simonetta had no plans to actually go to this university, as she'd already graduated from it more than two years before. 
So the medical examiner determined that she had been killed about 40 hours before she was found. And it was found that she'd not eaten anything, she hadn't been raped, and she had an empty bladder. So it's maybe possible that she had an appointment with somebody there, or she just needed the toilet and thought, no, you know what, I'll just, I'll go in the university bathrooms. You know, I don't think that's too far-fetched. So this shows that the crime might not have been premeditated. So years went on, and actually a Bologna forensic team decided to go in and reconstruct the probable dynamics of the attack. So they went in to kind of see what might have happened in this bathroom. So we know that the women's bathroom is adjacent to the building G's staircase. And based on analysis of the blood splatter, Simonetta had been attacked in the middle of the room and it's known that the attacker had probably tried to stop her from like reaching the door and getting out and he probably did this by pushing her towards the opposite wall and just repeatedly stabbing her. Um, There was also no indication of multiple killers and the attack is said to have lasted maybe several minutes and the the bit that gets me is the fact that she was likely to have screamed a lot she was probably crying out for help, but nobody heard her. Another piece of evidence found at the scene was a very prominent, like, blood-soaked handprint on one of the bathroom doors, and this has also been analysed by forensics years later. And the handprint is pretty big, and it seems to be placed very high up, which would indicate that the person who had left it was probably at least six feet tall. So assuming that it is a man, he had probably left it by like pausing at the door, maybe looking out to see if anybody was coming or not, see if the coast was clear. But the big, big question for police is, how did the killer escape after he committed this murder? Because getting out of this university is not the easiest. The building is a former convent, so its structure is kind of... Like, it's got big, like, inner courtyards and long corridors and very few exits. And actually, to this day, there's, like, entire portions of the building that are only reserved, like, especially for women. And I'm not quite sure how it's policed or anything. Um, But, yeah, it would have been extremely hard for this killer to get out. And even, like, after a murder like that, the killer must have been, you know, not clean, like, covered in blood you know, and to try and get out, he would have been forced to walk through, like, large parts of this building, and I'm not quite sure how busy it was at this time, but there must have been a few people, and the secretary's office was still open, so it is a chance that he would have bumped into somebody, but maybe he had a change of clothes on him, or he found a way to hide until it was dark and safe to come out and get out of the building. It's also really unclear what the motive might have been. I mean, we know that it's not sexual and it definitely wasn't a robbery-related crime and no one had a personal motive for killing Simonetta. Like, she didn't have any enemies, she just had a heart of gold. So it might have been possible that somebody had just followed her down the street, tried to maybe make advances on her and she rejected him he didn't like it or maybe like another hypothesis could be that 
there was someone shady doing some business there and had been hiding in that bathroom which in fact is one of the most hidden and isolated in that building and if that was the case then it's possible that Simonetta had maybe accidentally surprised him and she tried to escape to raise the alarm but obviously that person had a different idea but I think the thing for me when I've been thinking about this case is how did nobody hear her scream if she really was screaming and pleading for her life and there were people in the building how did nobody how did nobody hear her and go and try to help well, in the absence of any other suspects, the police actually started to talk with a team of workers who were doing some construction work at the university. And it was probably the construction work itself that had covered most of Simonetta's cries for help. So the investigators questioned every single one of them workers, examined all their clothes that they were wearing that day, and one by one, they were all cleared and none of them had seen or heard anything that would be useful to this case. However, there is one thing that came up that I do find rather strange. So, there were some female students who were commuting from the university by train, and they had actually reported a young man who had verbally assaulted several of them, and he was even seen in the university corridors. I think one of them had recounted that this man had walked around with a knife in a bag and it like occasionally pulled it out, turned it over in his hand and then just put it away. I mean, that in itself is scary enough. So like, I'm not surprised if people were convinced that it was this person. And even if it wasn't, that still needs to be addressed. Like that is not brilliant. So obviously the police after hearing this information they were also concerned and decided to try and hunt this man down and see what it was all about so they eventually found the man and stopped him and he didn't have a knife on him but they did find some notes that he'd written on him and they were filled with some really serious threats against women um which again not not good So they went to his house and he also had lots of knives there, but none of them had any traces of blood. So they asked the man about this situation and he had admitted that he had been in Milan that day to go and pick up a paycheck. Then he'd gone to the movies and taken like a walk around town. And apart from that, there was, there was no evidence against this man. So he was just like, let go. The police were like, thank you very much. That's all carry on with your day um which I find a bit it's quite disheartening really I mean this guy's obviously got something not quite right if he's going around and writing all these notes about women and pulling knives out in public it's not um quite concerning if you if you want to say in fact it wasn't just this one man there had actually been quite a few so the homicide squad um decided to examine all of the different sightings of suspicious looking men that had been seen hanging around the university in the days before the murder 
So, for example, there had been a man in his 30s who had followed two university employees and, like, verbally assaulted them and even waited for them at the exit. Um, There was also a student who had always entered the girls' bathrooms, an onlooker who had wandered around the university without actually been enrolled there, so he didn't actually go to the university but was, for some reason, inside walking around. And there was also a young man who liked to pull like women's pants out of his pocket and like just wave them in front of people which again a bit concerning but the police followed every lead that seemed at least credible but it ended up with nothing you know not to mention there was also like people who kept like phoning up and providing false information about this case so realistically there was nothing There was nothing for the police to go on. So the years passed and passed and the mysterious Catholic university killer looked more and more like an elusive shadow. Like there was no leads, there was nothing for police to go off and it just looked like there was never going to be justice for Simonetta. Until in 1994, when there was an anonymous letter that arrived at the police station actually accusing a priest and claiming that Simonetta's murderer was the same one that had killed Linda Mackey in the province of Varese in 1987. And this lead did seem promising at the time, however, police were never able to find any concrete evidence linking the two murders. So, the murder of Simonetta Ferrero remains an unsolved case to this day. But, you know, in more recent times, all the forensic evidence found at the murder scene would likely have led back to the killer's DNA, but, you know, 50 years ago, it just wasn't possible. It's very likely that whoever killed this poor young woman will forever remain a ghost, and justice sadly will not be served and that's really disheartening um you know it's not impossible for cold cases not to be solved i mean we've got the summerton man that we covered previously that did eventually get solved and even now with the with the more murderers um little keith who had been missing all that time has hopefully now been found on the moors and honestly when i heard this news it just It is obviously extremely sad, um, but finally we can hopefully get some justice for that little boy. And maybe one day too we will get justice for Simonetta. So unfortunately that is all the information that I have got on this case today. And it does conclude today's episode. So I know it's not the longest one, it was a little bit of a short one. But I do hope that you enjoyed. Thank you very much for listening. And I do hope to have you back next week. Definitely won't be this week now after today's kerfuffle. Um, But in the meantime, if you are still craving for some more true crime cases, then you can head over to my Prime for Crime TikTok, where I do post small snippets of cases daily. Um, It's nice to interact with you guys, see what you're liking, see what you're not. Any um, case requests are always open. I'm always interested in seeing what cover, uh, what cases, sorry, you would like me to cover. Um, but for now, please be vigilant. Please stay safe. Hope everybody has a good rest of the week, and I will see you next week for another episode. See you later.